0: Welcome to the New Money Review podcast. I'm Paul Amory, editor of New Money Review. In this episode, I'm joined by Kyle Gibson, a senior staff researcher and writer at the Massachusetts Institute of Technology's Open Learning Initiative. I've been following Kyle on Twitter for years. He has been a consistently funny and well-informed critic of the crazy world of cryptocurrency. Today, he joins the podcast to talk about another tech utopia that's in all the headlines. That's artificial intelligence, or AI. Are the claims made for AI overblown? How are AI models developed and used? Who funds AI? Why are some of the leading promoters of AI also heavily involved in cryptocurrency? And what's AI got to do with geopolitics? Listen in for the next 30 minutes to hear more. Carl, thanks very much for joining the new Money Review podcast. Could you tell listeners a bit about yourself and your area of work? Sure.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I am a writer and a staff researcher for MIT Horizon, where a corporate education platform, you could think of us as a sort of private Wikipedia that's focused on emerging technologies, and we sell subscriptions to some large corporations and government agencies to really speed up learning programs uh, uh, that are focused on you know AI, cloud computing, blockchain, Internet of Things, and um, many other topics. I preach proper disclosure, so uh, here's here's my chance to uh, live up to that. So, uh, and my views obviously do not uh, reflect the views of my employer, uh, and also I have a financial disclosure wherein I have recently traded Microsoft stock. I don't currently own it, though I do own an ETF that is focused on information technology, and I believe it's still in there. And so, I am a uh, independent. Economic agent, and just wanted to, um, you know, make my uh, make my interest known.
0: <laughs> great. Well, thank you very much for that, Carl. That's that's uh, that's great. Um, we've been connected on Twitter for a, for a while, and I you know followed your uh, your R- quite, uh, funny, quite funny quite <laughs> funny comments on the crazy world of cryptocurrency, which has I think been one of the ways I've stayed sane uh, at reading <laughs> you as amidst the madness. So uh, it's Glad been great to, to be connected on there. Um, but I, 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 on this podcast, I'd love to chat to you um, about emerging technologies in general and about the link between artificial intelligence, which is getting a lot of press at the moment, and cryptocurrency and w- what you see is going on there. But perhaps we could start with some, some definitions for those listeners like myself who don't know a huge amount about this area. You know, What is AI to start with? So AI
1: is the um, uh, creation of uh, programs that can uh, ingest data and infer some insights about that data and come to conclusions and take actions. And um, there are you know, a whole wide variety of different forms of AI, um, but uh, the most prominent one right now is called generative AI, which is a uh, use of AI to actually form and create new um, text or you know visual pieces of art and and um respond to intricate questions uh without um relying on uh you know existing content so much as right. you know so, the tra- the training um, so
0: gen- generative ai is making a lot of people including i guess journalists uh, some computer programmers maybe lawyers uh, look nervously over their shoulder at uh, their jobs being replaced yeah, and
1: I would argue that a lot of that apprehension is driven by marketing hype and not so much actual um, capabilities. Um, I will say there are, you know, a lot of headlines being thrown around about amazing capabilities, like um, the ability of ChatGPT to go and pass a bar exam, things like things like that. But um, I think that it's not. A very fair comparison when uh, these systems obviously are consuming much, much more data than uh, anyone would ever go about reading before trying to take a bar exam. And,
0: right. Um, now, I mean, but people have pointed out that ChatGPT, one of the main generative AI programs, you know, is quite capable of writing, a, you know, a good poem and writing an article on a topic, if you ask it, which seems pretty accurate, you know, at least at first glance. I have noticed... Playing around a bit with chat GPT by myself that if I asked it some, you know, some factual information about a particular person, it quite often got it wrong and it did so in a very confident way. So it stated wrong information very confidently, which I guess is something that people worry about. So yeah, what's going on there? And
1: and while we are still in the definitions phase, it's important to, and I I might have mixed up chat GPT with GPT-4, but there are different models
0: that OpenAI is working with
1: and these have different capabilities, and so
0: OpenAI is the is the um, is the organization which is partly funded by Microsoft, as I understand it. Yeah. But it's 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 uh, its main selling point is that it's going to allow open source access to the information it's or to the model it's creating. Or what is the what is the it's, main selling point there?
1: Originally, they were discussing it as an open source venture. I would say that today, they do not really accurately fit that description, because they do not share very much about the data that they are using to train these models and the uh, actual training methods that they're using. And actually, um, they um, are now explicit about saying that they're, they're withholding some of this information for comp- competitive uh, advantage.
0: Right. Uh, OpenAI took a ten billion dollar funding from Microsoft earlier this year. I understand, and I I read on the internet. I don't know if this is accurate, but but maybe the terms have not been disclosed. But I read something along the lines that Microsoft has the right before its investment. Microsoft can take seventy five percent of OpenAI's revenues until it recoups its investment. Right. May
1: also, uh, I believe, got rights to um, uh, it. Rights to information about like what I was talking about before, the training methods and the data, yeah. that Microsoft uh, as part of that investment gets uh, control of that software and can really see
0: behind the veil. Right. So is it fair to say that all the big tech tech firms in one way or another are involved in this area, whether it's Microsoft, Google, Facebook, yeah. so Amazon, uh, Apple, Google, not, not to mention Google, Google is their real yeah.
1: competitor right yeah. now. And it's ironic because one of the co-founders of uh open AI. Uh, i don't want to pronounce this wrong or Sutskever. Uh, yes uh, he was a formal former uh member of the google i think DeepMind mind uh, team right and um it's reminiscent of the um google and waymo lawsuit against uber where they were you know uh, i think they won in um uh saying that they had stolen proprietary technology. There hasn't been any lawsuit like that before, but it's just, a, it's kind of like we've seen this story before where um, people go and jump ship to another big tech company right. and,
0: yeah. So one of the way, I mean, the AI programs have to be trained on data sets. And I guess one of the ways of having a good AI system is to have a very large data set to start with. So is that why the big tech firms are all, all have a head start in this area?
1: Right. Uh, so Microsoft owns Bing, they are already, you know, crawling the web for such and such. And, um, I'm sure have been instrumental in helping open AI build these data sets. And, you know, because they don't really share too much about these data sets, it's, um, kind of hard to talk about, but basically GPT, uh, GPT four has been trained or sorry. Chat GPT has been trained on data up until end of 2021, and from what people can infer of what Chat GPT is able to do, it's it's basically uh, everything on the internet <laughs> right. up until end of 2021. And, okay. Um,
0: so the way the AI system works, it it takes it looks at the whole content of the internet. It looks at it. It looks for statistical connections between you know if there's one bit of text then this this bit of text may follow in 60 percent of the time that bit of text may 30 percent of the time and so on and it, and it builds these associations and then you can basically turn it on by itself and it generates you can text to you in response to your query so yes
1: it it will train itself that way for the intent of creating or um, molding that into a viable service for a business, you have to put in safeguards and the only real effective way of doing that is with the use of human uh, labeling of data. And uh, OpenAI has uh, put a lot of, they have a lot of human uh, labor going on behind the scenes that doesn't really get too much light of day, but um, they basically contract out to in the global south, like in countries like Kenya. They have thousands of workers that go and label content that will be used by the AI to learn what is
0: toxic and offensive
1: so right. that, so this that, is
0: where, this is where the AI programs are are basically told by the creators if someone asks you a question, you should not respond with you know racist comment or offensive yeah. comment in some other way, and that's that's entirely down to human input that that, that it does that it works that way
1: yes uh, okay. they they had to go and build practically a separate, separate data set specifically for this is the content we don't want you to generate.
0: And it doesn't always work, does it? It doesn't always stop the AI from no, generating people, content that you might want, might not want to read or hear. Either, either there's we'll an see.
1: adversarial uh, kind of attack that people can do to convince the AI to produce this content or the, yeah, the AI can produce it without really even... Um, label like identifying it as toxic.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. So earlier this week, uh, two days ago, actually on Tuesday, the chief executive of open AI, Sam Altman was speaking, I think for three hours to a congressional hearing about artificial intelligence. Why is there suddenly so much interest in this topic amongst legislators and regulators?
1: Well, You know, the simple answer is because it's in the news. But another answer, um, there are a lot of large and powerful uh, bodies of kind of worker organizations, like unions, practically, that are nervous about this. Uh, One prominent story right now is the Writers' Strike. Writers Guild of America is on strike. And part of the demands they're making to studios is new... Rules barring the use of any union-created art for training these AI systems. Okay. Yeah, and so um, long. Long answer, short is it's uh, reaching the level of Senate and congressional hearings because there are many people nervous about impact of these impact that these AI systems will have on their jobs.
0: Right. Right. Okay. So. Let's let's take a slightly different angle now. What's what is the connection between AI and OpenAI in, in particular and cryptocurrency?
1: Yeah. So Sam Altman, who uh, came through and went on to lead Y Combinator, he is on the board and has equity in a whole bunch of companies. And one of Y
0: Combinator, them- for, for those who don't know, is one is one of the most powerful. Yeah. Funders of startups in Silicon Valley, is that right?
1: Yes. So he he has very large stakes in companies like Reddit and Pinterest and a whole other list. And one of these companies that he's founded recently and is the CEO of is WorldCoin. Okay. And that is a prominent company in the Ethereum space. Uh, They are focused on identity, digital identity. And WorldCoin is being pitched by Sam Altman and uh, other promoters as a sort of uh, quick fix for some of the problems (laughs) that, that we will be facing because of the success of ChatGPT and GPT-4, meaning WorldCoin wants to have a system where you can verify that you're a human and not a robot, Before you go and can make tweets or
0: apply for a job on LinkedIn or other things, and um, so the selling point is that you know if you're worried about AI programs, here's the solution: you can use our other business venture called Worldcoin to make sure that you're who you say you are, and and incidentally, we'll keep all your biometric data and all all the rest of it uh, in our systems, (laughs) right? And. To better
1: describe what Worldcoin is, so it's a combination of the authentication system, which for whatever reason is in the shape of an orb, and it uses. It's quite iris impressive. It's
0: like a it's name. like a silver football or silver volleyball, right. I guess, uh, which people <laughs> carry around the world, and they they ask people to I think for some yeah. financial incentive, right, to to have their iris it's, scanned.
1: Yes, the carrot on the end of the stick is that you, I. Could be wrong. I think it's one. I think it's one world coin token that you're being enticed with. Okay, um, and so it's that, and then it's also the uh, so the app, like iOS and Android wallet app that that you sign up for your. So you sign up for your account, similar to how you would sign up for Twitter and other things. But the only caveat is you would have to be in the vicinity of one of these
0: orbs. <laughs> and have your eye scanned by the orb. Right. Uh, so just, just, to, just to, I had a, a look on WorldCoin's website and in some press articles. Now, currently they say on their website that uh, you can get your world ID, which is, I guess, what you, what you yeah. receive when you've scanned your iris on, on the, and downloaded the wallet onto your phone. But mm. you can only do it at the moment in, um, you can only have your iris scanned in Argentina, Chile, India, Kenya, Portugal, and Spain as well right. as demos at blockchain and identity conferences. Well, it's, uh, it's a-
1: supposedly still in beta yeah. release, but the, I don't know, they are very inconsistent with, uh, they, back in the end of 2021, it really seemed like they were saying this is our public launch. Yeah. And then they walked it back in the mid midway through 2022 to start saying, oh, it's a beta, beta release and you can't get it in the US and other countries.
0: Yeah, I had a look on the internet. They said that last March, uh, the former CEO or the Alex Blani, I don't know, maybe his co-CEO, um, or oh, that's sorry, that's WorldCoin, Worldcoin CEO, not OpenAI's. So he said last year that there would be twenty to thirty million registrants by the end of twenty twenty two. But currently on their website, they said they only have 1.7 million, so they've, they've undershot their goals. They
1: are goals undershooting so far. in pretty much every metric that can be recorded. So he also said Alex Blania. So I, I misspoke earlier. So it's Alex Blania is the CEO of Worldcoin, not okay. Sam Altman. Right. He Alex Blania at the end of 2021 made a Twitter thread where you're right. He, he I think I actually think he said a billion users, billion signups by the end of 2023 or okay. by the beginning of 2024. And he also said that we will be creating 50,000 WorldCoin orbs per year. Like he, well, he said, he said that as like, this is what we are budgeting out and will be hitting soon. And currently they are only producing uh, 400 orbs a month, uh, which is far lower. They, Well, that's what they recently announced they have a manufacturing contract finally um, uh, more than a year later (laughs) after making that proclamation. So they're very far behind and it, you know, uh, startups, you know, don't hit their goals and that's fine, but um, they are also promising to a whole bunch of people over a million people now, they're promising that that world coin, they signed up for is going to be valuable and part of a global, you know, reserve currency.
0: So right. but WorldCoin has uh has raised money in the last month, I think. And uh, so there are still people preparing to you know prepare to put money into to back it.
1: Right. Another hundred million dollar round yeah. that um I don't know why. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why they really need that money. And also it's sort of uh Strange that they talk about WorldCoin as sort of an open source, similar to OpenAI. Talk about it as an open source, um, uh, almost charitable effort. And they are, are claiming to be open sourcing their hardware. But no other company has really shown any interest in building another WorldCoin orb. And there's not many companies or any, for that matter, Using the World ID program, so I don't really see what what immediate needs they have for another hundred million (laughs) dollars.
0: Right, right. But isn't isn't the idea itself of creating some kind of digital global digital ID system in itself not a bad idea? I mean, if someone, I'm not saying that WorldCon should do it, but if we had something like this. if it were done correctly, wouldn't that help solve a lot of problems? A lot of a lot of scammers and fraudsters operating around the world would, you know, might find it more difficult to, yeah, to operate if if, if we had some kind of robust uh, ID system. Of course,
1: yeah, and so Worldcoin, you know, to their credit, um, our, the. Steelman argument for why they're focusing on the global South is that these are areas where there's low internet, uh, accessibility and banking. Uh, you know, so that if, if the world coin ID is a lot better system than local banks for uh, these people to, you know, have a place to stash some money. That's great. And I'm all for that. And, but at the, they can, they can create a wallet. Application for phones without the um, the orb
0: <laughs> device. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I, well, I, I don't you, think what is, what is it that you because uh, you've been writing about. I mean, you you were the first person to bring Worldcoin to my attention when it when it was first described uh, two or three years ago. You you were writing about it then on Twitter. What was it about this project that you know got you interested and why why do you object to it? I
1: object to just. Their messaging, really, their stated intentions, totally fine with you know um, increasing access to financial services that's great. How they are describing the uh, security uh, invulnerability of this worldcoin orb, I have an issue with, and I think they are exaggerating the uh they just they have not earned <laughs> trust <laughs> they've not earned trust yeah. and they are talking about it as though they have earned trust and they go yeah. to all these ethereum convention or co- conferences and run these hackathon events and t- and have people imagine what kind of businesses they'll build on top of this world coin system yeah. that if you go and st- if you go and screw, if you go to scrutinize how this Worldcoin system is intended to operate, it seems to fall down because they are relying on a multi-level marketing esque uh, structure for the Worldcoin operators. They call Which we're them.
0: all too all too familiar with from cryptocurrencies right. over the last few so it, years. It's going, how it, yeah.
1: how it's supposed to work is. You can apply to okay. be an orb operator and then receive if you're accepted, receive one of these orbs. If you go by the way, if you go on Twitter, you can find hundreds, if not thousands, of people that say they have applied and haven't heard anything back. Right. But um if you do if you did get an orb, supposedly you could go and sign up people and receive however much you know. We've all heard this before, but you you would you would receive a percentage of what the uh, rewards are for those people. Yeah, and they're pitching this as a uh, source of employment when you know they've again they just received a hundred million dollars. Um,
0: so they, when AI destroys all our jobs, you can guess an, you can get employment <laughs> selling Worldcoin IDs <laughs> with an orb. I can yeah. just go out in the street with a an orb and scan the irises of all my neighbors and. They get one world coin, and I get a quarter of the, a cut of the income, or something.
1: Right. Yeah. And I don't really believe that the economics of their system is aligned towards um, mass, um, towards a working, large scale system that is fair. So the the economics of if you're an Orb operator in, um, you know, Kansas. Uh, you're going to have a lot harder time going and having like a, pro- like a profitable day signing up people for WorldCoin than if you're in the middle of New York City. And yep. um, there would be such a low incentive to go out and sign people up in kind of underserved areas that, you know, it's, it's a, it's a similar, pro- similar problem with internet access and, and everything else. It's just the economics don't really seem to um, work towards what they're, what they're trying to achieve.
0: Right. So I, one of the comments I saw on on um, Sam Altman's um, comments uh, in front of congressional hearings earlier this week was that um, someone called David Vorick, who I don't know whether you know him, said on Twitter that Sam Altman wants to ensure that OpenAI is the only company allowed by governments to build world-changing AI technology. It is a disaster for everyone around the world that governments are taking seriously. High-powered AI belongs in the hands of everyone. Now, that's that's a lofty goal, but given that you know we, you described at the beginning of the call, um, you know the, the tech giants are all involved in this area. You've got cryptocurrency entrepreneurs also trying to sell things in parallel and to 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 capitalise on the on the boom of this stuff. You know, how is it going to be possible to have it in the hands of everyone rather than it being monopolised by some commercial enterprises?
1: Uh, It's a good question. And I, um, so OpenAI went, so Sam Altman went into that hearing and was pitching um, a licensing uh, scheme for AI companies as though any other company can go and form a partnership with Microsoft and have them build a a 100 million dollar super computer for them to, to uh train you know a new a new competitive uh chat gpt so i think that it's the premise uh of um you know this technology being open to all is sort of it that's sort of a weak premise because You need these connections with these large companies like not only Microsoft, but NVIDIA had to go and supply thousands of their greatest, latest and greatest GPUs for this effort. And to think of someone that's not Google, who, you know, Google has their own silicon architecture and resources, you know, there's not very many companies or even countries that can go and compete. Right. And um, what what I saw... Sam Altman really pitching in that, or the, the implicit meaning behind his testimony, I think, is uh, to say that no reg- they feel that no regulators really have any authority over them right now. So if mm. you're going in and saying, oh, we need a new regulator for AI, it's really the, the other side of that coin is to say that none of these other regulators, like the FTC, um, would have any thor- sort of authority over them. Right. Which I don't. So if there is another hearing coming up in June that is focused on AI's impact on copyright and patent laws, which I'm actually more interested in. And I think Sam Altman will, will be at that as well.
0: Oh, okay. And just a final question How, do, how does this um, all fit in with what's happening at a global level? Because I've seen many people say that the Chinese are the world leaders in AI, both because of the Size of the population they can train their models on, and also because their their chip design is getting uh, you know better, it may not be quite as, as good as the the chip some of the US firms have got access to, but it's getting pretty close. Um, you know, how how would you see this debate over AI and cryptocurrency on a on a broader level? You know, what's happening globally?
1: Not being a um, obviously a uh, global foreign policy and affairs expert, I don't want to go too far out on the limb, but you know access to new silicon is a pretty much a matter of national security at this point. And the relations of us and China sort of hinges on our ability to keep on receiving new chips from TSMC in Taiwan. Yeah. And if AI is so popular in creating more and more demand for computational resources, I think that that could, uh, you know, Um, accelerate uh, some of those tensions Um, and yeah
0: so it's very much uh, a hot topic issue yeah does that mean that the the u.s government could say well look we we can't do this like the chinese are doing at a at a government level you know using a, a, a national digital id because we don't have one uh, the huh. Chinese do, the Indi- the Indians do. Um, so, the, you know, we'll ha- we better back a, a commercial player like Google, like OpenAI or Microsoft behind, which is behind OpenAI. Is that you know, yeah. is that where we're heading? Do you think
1: we are heading there? Um, yeah. We are spending billions of dollars to build out semiconductor, manu- or se- f- just fabs for these things in yeah. Arizona, and um, we've restarted a big foundry, uh, an IBM foundry that was. Run by Global Foundries up in Vermont, um, which is sort of showing that – I don't know if you've heard of the term friend-shoring. It's an Uh, interesting term. Not yet. No, no I have. It's a supply chain term where you are looking at your supply chain and really thinking about um, if uh, certain countries really shut down and and don't want to allow imports. um, Yeah from companies that are, or countries that are friendly with China, you know, yes. we, need, we need to possibly move those. And so friend showing is a big response that is very relevant with the semiconductor stuff, but also relevant with other other right. industries.
0: But, the, but more broadly, this whole debate over, over artificial intelligence. And today we've linked it to cryptocurrency. That's part of a bigger geopolitical battle between Yeah, over access to you know the highest performing chips to
1: whoever chip design. Yeah, it's all new frontiers of different uh, you know economic um, engines. That if China wants to go and um, hamper American ability to uh,
0: accelerate AI, they very much can. Right. Right. Carl, thank you very much for taking the time to chat. It's a really interesting topic. I guess we're going to be hearing a lot more about this in in the weeks and months ahead.
1: Definitely will. Feel free to uh, follow me on Twitter and then mute me because I uh, t- <laughs> tweet too much. Okay. <laughs>
0: thank you very, thank you so, very much. All all fun. Okay, great. Thanks, Carl. Thanks for listening to this New Money Review podcast. If you enjoyed the podcast, please like it or share it on your podcast listening platform if you'd like to support New Money Review, you can do so using Patreon. Details of how to do so are on the right margin of our website, newmoneyreview.com. Listen in soon for our next episode.